Welcome to the Home Care Hub podcast for the Home Care Advocacy Network. And today we have two very special guests with us today on the podcast series. They are from Omaha, Nebraska, Julie Gray, and hailing from Richmond, Virginia, Teresa Steinfat. Today's topic is being an entrepreneur in the senior care world, veteran and a rookie discussion. And so we're really excited about having Teresa and Julie on the podcast today. Welcome, Julie and Teresa. Thank you. Well, what we wanted to provide our listeners today was really a peek behind the curtains at owning your own home care business. And we wanted to have this discussion because sometimes when you're a new business owner in the home care world, you just don't think you can do it. And you think you've made you have buyer's remorse. You think, you know, you think you made a mistake. Oh my gosh, why did I start this business? And at the same time, you know, it's really important to have the other end perspective. And that's somebody that's been through all of the highs and lows, both of life and of owning a business. And that's really what we're bringing our listeners, all of you here today. So first of all, you know, what are we really talking about when it comes to senior care and home care? So generally speaking, Home care and senior care, as we're talking about it today, is a service that provides companionship and respite care, personal care services, as well as dementia care to seniors, wherever they may call home. So that could be inside of a senior living community, a hospital. It could be uh, inside of a home, generally speaking. So those are the services. And inside of a, a home care business, you hire caregivers to provide that care, and you serve as a training center, an HR center, an organizational center. That's really kind of the crux of what home care and senior care is. And so we have a veteran of that industry here today, and she's going to be able to share her experience with us. And we have someone who is in their first year of ownership. And so we want to hear both perspectives. And then Teresa will be able to help close us out today in kind of a passing on of the torch to Julie um, and sharing kind of her key takeaways from owning her own business. So Teresa, tell us a little bit about yourself and your path in the senior care world. Sure. Great. Thanks again, Mark, for having me. Yes. Uh, it's Teresa Steinhead here. Uh, I spent most of my career, uh, professional career in the healthcare space right out of college. Um, I spent many years in the medical device sales arena. So I was very involved when in working with um, hospitals and, and physicians within the hospitals and surgeons. Um, I always had an entrepreneurial mindset. It's something um, early on, I wanted to always have my own business. My comfort level was the healthcare space. And so um, what really um, brought me deeper into what I eventually ended up doing, which I'll share a little bit about, was that I was living out of state. I grew up in Pennsylvania and was living in Virginia at the time and was caring for my aging grandfather, uh, helping my mother care for my aging grandfather. And we realized with her full-time job and her full-time job was in the trust arena that it made it very difficult for her to be caring for him full-time and me being out of state with a full-time job, caring for him full-time. In addition to that, my mother had a handful of clients that were also aging um, in this senior space, if you will, their needs were changing and they were trying to age in place and we couldn't find care except for us. So that's when I said to my husband at the time, 
there's a need for this. We've got to do something. We've got to, this is maybe an area that we could get into. We both had entrepreneur minds. And so we started researching that space to say, we've got to be able to help um, because I can't do it out of state. My mother can't do it working full time. Um, we were bridging the gap as best we could. So needless to say, we um, did a lot of research and we realized there was nothing out there really anywhere. Uh, we found a small business that did um, do some errands and things like that. And we thought, well, okay, we read some more about that business. And then we put together our own business plan and we were ready to roll with this. We felt like this was a big opportunity to really uh, do something that we would enjoy doing um, in a needed area. And it would allow us to, to begin our own business. And so as we were doing our research, we came across um, a franchise, one franchise that was in this space that they were very new in the space. And after researching that franchise, we weighed our options with, do we go the franchise route or do we do it on our own? And it was a very clear decision for us that the franchise route was the best route. They had a model in place, although it was new. We were one of the, the newer franchises, one of the first probably 20 or 25, but they had things worked out. We enjoyed the, the corporate folks, the support, and therefore we ended on this journey of, of home of in-home care. And it was the best um, decision that we had made is to go with it, this larger, uh, largest and first of its kind in-home care franchise. And that was uh, back in 1997 is when we started our um, in-home care franchise. So very exciting journey that we had for 23 years. That is great. Okay. So very, uh, very interesting. So I would love to hear a little bit more from you, Teresa. Take us through, so it was a 23-year career as a home care owner, and talk to us a little bit about the highs and lows and some of the challenges that you faced along the way. Sure, sure. Um, Well, there were a lot of highs and there were some lows, of course, in owning any business, that's the case. Um, But but I'd have to say with with the highs, there are so many that I couldn't begin to discuss them all in, in today's podcast. Um, but one of the, the biggest things for me, I'm, I'm very general here, but when you're your own owner and you own your own business, you're controlling your own destiny. So it's really up to you as far as what you choose to do with it. The personal growth and satisfaction that you get out of learning to own and operate uh, your business is is just so rewarding. It's, it's hard to explain unless you've been through that. One of the things within the in-home care space over the last 23 years uh, that, that I've loved about it is that you build strong relationships with your caregivers, with your clients, um, with your internal team. And something I focused, we focused um, on all the time and whether it was 23 years ago or up until the day that the, you know I sold the company was that our team in place we would only hire those folks that truly had a passion for what we did. And I really believe that was a big differentiator with our company and our culture over the course of time. They really had to believe in what we were doing. They had to believe in our caregivers, our team, our clients, and we would constantly go above and beyond. And there was a lot of gratification that you get out of, of, of all of that. Um, And I don't want to repeat myself, but at the end of each day, you know, you'd have those days where you're struggling or those weeks and months where you're struggling, but you would, oh, I would always have to remind myself at the end of the day why I was doing what I was doing. And I, it was the love for the client, the care for the caregivers and what we were doing to make a difference in, in our, in our um, uh, community. 
Um, I have to, too, I can't go without saying that the financial rewards of owning your own business and owning an in-home care business was was wonderful. Um, it's been a, a great uh, ride for us, and it was fun along the way. The team that, that we've developed over the time, you know, they're our friends, they're our family, and that's the way, as a leader in my business, how I treated folks. I, and that's what allowed me to have fun each and every day, even though we had, you know, the challenges during, during the days and weeks and months, which, you know, I, I have to say, too, that for looking back over the 23 years of the business, the reputation that we built in our community was second to none and continues to be second to none, which I'm very proud of. And that's because of the things that I just mentioned to you with the caring team that I had, how we hired people, um, how we cared for our clients and how we cared for our caregivers. So it's a combination of that. But I I look back on those years and I I couldn't be more proud of of what we've uh, created. That is awesome. You know, I can get into some of the lows too. And, and, and you know, I, I was always one to look at things, you know, um, the glass is half full. You know, the lows usually turn themselves into a high if you approach it the right way. So one of the struggles that I think um, that I personally had, and I think even as just the folks that we hired because of their passion for what we do, is that you're losing clients, you know, all the time. You're losing and gaining clients all the time, but many of these clients you'll have for six months, some you'll have for six years. And so there's relationships there with your caregivers, your clients, your team, and it's tough with those losses. It's really, you've kind of have to separate yourself at times because you are dealing with, you know, uh, sickness and death uh, on a regular basis. As far as um, the other piece to, um, to being a low would be caregiver turnover. And that's something we've learned over the many years of being in the business is that caregiver turnover as an industry standard has always been extremely high. And I know we've worked so hard to get that number way down. And, and we had, I mean, we, we were at 100, over 100% at one point in time, you know, 10, 12 years ago. And then over the last four or five years, we were way under 50%, which we were proud of, but we wouldn't hire just anybody. So it was a very rigorous training and hiring and training process. So uh, turnover, it, it's an ongoing thing in the business. And I think any business owner that, that's looking in the home care space has to recognize that that will always be a challenge, but you can make it a positive challenge too. And that goes along with my next um, a challenge for me um, was just the regulatory side of things. We're not going to, it's not going to go away. Um, there's state licensure, there's federal regulations that are mandated that we've got to understand. And the one thing I would certainly caution people of is, is not to get too bogged down. Um, it's out of our control. You just have to learn and understand. So it's important to, to understand what those regulations are and what your state licensure is, but, but it is what it is. You don't have to allow it to work hard on you each day because it is what it is. So for me, I, that was just a personal low at times because I would sometimes get myself too wrapped up in the, in the regulatory side. So aside from that, I mean, it's been a, an amazing ride. Yeah. And over the course of your owning uh, your home care business, you know, there were organizations like the Home Care Association of America that were developed along with your organization, you know, where you have a different kind of support now than probably in the early days when it comes to not only at times fighting appropriately regulations that might be onerous or just don't make sense from 
a client care perspective. I remember, you know, we were both uh, part of uh, Home Instead back in the day, Teresa, and I remember fighting for, there were some, you know, uh, some very interesting situations with states where they found out what a big industry after the fact that home care actually was. And they started to try to regulate it like they would a home health company or a senior living community. And it just didn't, it wasn't congruent. And so there are certain things that you do kind of have to fight for. And at the same time, I like what you said, at times you, you really just need to be nimble and you need to be able to mold your business quickly to what the new regulation might be. And most of the time that's in the area of, of wages and training and better trained caregivers are always a good idea. Well, and it's, it's interesting because of you mentioning that. So it was probably seven or eight years into the business where our state, we were the first franchise in the state of Virginia. We were wanting to do personal care, but we were not licensed to do it. So we took it upon ourselves to um, work with the folks uh, with the, the Virginia Department of Health to create and re- well, actually recreate our state legislation for um, home care, which was pretty exciting, but because we weren't allowed to do that. So we had a, we played an integral part in, in making that change for our state. But again, you can't change it. You just have to understand it and move forward with it. And I can tell you over the years, you mentioned, you know, wages and rates, et cetera. It's never really had any effect on anything as long as it's managed properly. Yeah. Yeah, the main thing that decision makers are really after is quality care. That's their primary issue when they are seeking out home care. They want they want care rates and wages go up and down. They transition, but um, absolutely, if you can be focused on providing quality care, you're going to be better for it in the end. So, and and then today also on our podcast we have Julie Gray, and Julie represents the other side of home care advocacy network. So we really have two sides. So I'm the rookie. That's right. You're the rookie, but you're also more of the entrepreneur led side of the home care advocacy network. So on one side, we're a business format franchise system that's seeking to provide services within the senior living world, because this has been such a, there is such an opportunity with $46 billion in service being uh, given to the home care industry by senior living referrals on an annual basis. But the Home Care Advocacy Network also operates with entrepreneurs like Julie Gray and her husband, Ryan, who own the local office of the Home Care Advocacy Network here in Omaha, where they provide companionship and respite care, personal care services, as well as dementia care services to their clients. And that's a very similar business structure to what Teresa, uh, Teresa, to what you provided for the longest time in, in Richmond. So Julie, thanks for being on the program today. Yeah, sure. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your business. Okay. Um, so my name is Julie. I, prior to um, getting into the home care business, I was a full-time mom. I have two kids. They're grown now pretty. I mean, I have a 17 year old and a 19, almost 20 year old and I homeschooled. I've been in the home care industry for about a year now, but I was thinking technically I've kind of been caring for people my whole life. Like that's just something that I've always just naturally 
been drawn to people that need care, that need help, especially seniors. I, one of my early memories of caring for somebody would be my grandma. I remember at five years old, she had had a surgery. My grandma had a surgery and at five years old, I would go over there and I just want to take care of her. (laughs) So definitely I've always just had that kind of in my DNA, wanting to care for people. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely see that. So Julie and I are able to work. uh, We work shoulder to shoulder every day in the same office. Uh, Julie owns and operates the local office for us in Douglas County, Nebraska. Julie, tell us, you know, over the past time since you've, um, you know, you've been through the startup phase now to, you know, starting a business in a pandemic, like you've really been through a lot in 2020. And uh, I'm just really proud of uh, all of your efforts. Tell me from your perspective, some of the highs and lows that you've experienced. Well, definitely a high would be getting to work with my friends every day. It's so similar to what Teresa, I'll have to echo Teresa in the relationships category, you know, just the relationships have been amazing, both like with the clients, um, with my, the people in my office and with the client's families and my care advocates. Just, I have loved that aspect of the business is just the relationships. And, and also like um, Teresa was saying, there's something to be said about building relationships with your employees I really haven't had any turnover in the, you know, since we started the business. I, in fact, what I seem to be just getting more of is my care, my employees just referring more of their friends to work, you know, to come work for Home Care Advocacy Network here in Omaha. And that has been, that just says a lot. Like I'm, I'm so proud of that, just of the team, just that we just all kind of rally together and we just work so well together. So that's definitely a high. And I was a low, it seems like when it gets, when there's a low, it's usually has to do with the, uh, the client to caregiver ratio. When that's kind of off, when that equilibrium is off, it can be, it can be really hard, really stressful, but it's just, I understand like we, we get through it, you know, but So then, you know, you need to hire more care advocates and then you want to get them hours, you know, you want to get your employees out there caring for people. And so then you're just, you know, when there's those kind of lows, then you're just, you're doing, going out, doing marketing, sharing our, um, just our story and our, just our quality of care, sharing it with people, you know, to referral sources. And, and then it just always seems to balance out. So but it can be a little hairy there at times, you know, you have your staff and things are going real great. There's a high, you know, just nice um, ratio. And then you'll get a 24 hour client, you know, kind of overnight. And then, but it's, but then at the same time, then that turns into a high because then you get to see how everybody just comes together and we do what we have to do to care for the client. So. I think Julie, one question that I think we would get, intuitively from our listeners and just some of the things that I've responded to people, you know, so here you are starting a business in Omaha. So for those that don't know much about Omaha, Omaha is home to two out of the top five 
largest home care franchise companies in the world. I think between the two, when we look at their um, their franchise offering circulars, you know, it's over $2 billion in revenue just between those two companies. And here you are starting your own home care company. Has there been a demand for services uh, this year? Tell us about your experience there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I really think people are like looking for something just kind of fresh and different. And I think like the quality, like we keep, like I can't reiterate enough to people that the quality of our care is what sets us apart. We are not just trying to, I'm like Teresa was saying, I'm how she was with her business. I am so selective in who I hire. I, I want it to always be that way. So we don't skimp on quality. And I think that even with the pandemic going on, it was, you know, kind of unsure how things were going to go, but it has just, business has been really good because I think a lot of times, so a lot of people that are in facilities right now, um, they're not able to leave. They're kind of, sometimes they're quarantined to their room and they can't have visitors, but we can, we can go in there and we can care for them and just be their companion and keep them they look so forward to having the care advocates advocates coming in when they can. And that has been um, definitely there's a need, I would say, that has elevated the need for care. And people are wanting also to age in place more than ever right now. You know, overall, does it do you feel like you're in your groove when it comes to owning your own business? You feel like it's it's hit you yet? like oh my, like I have my own business here. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of funny. I mean, like some days, like I definitely feel like I'm in the groove. Don't you think Mark? I'm definitely getting in the groove and I'm loving it. I'm, I love just, I feel like I've always been just kind of someone who I like. I'm very, I can self-regulate really well. So to be my own boss, has been great because I, I know what I need to do and I, I can get it done and all with a lot of empathy. I, Julie, from my perspective, listening to everything that you're saying, you're doing all the right things right now and you're going to be incredibly successful. Oh, thank you for saying that, Teresa. Teresa, your, your perspective has been super valuable to us along the way. You've been a key a counselor for the Home Care Advocacy Network. You know, we've had to, you know, being in business, you know, we, the vision probably started a long time ago, but we really started the hard development of HCAN back in 2018. And then you've come along this year and have been that, you know, kind of a fresh wind uh, in our sales. And we would just love for you to share here, um, you know, at the end, you know, your top takeaways that you would like to pass on to Ryan and Julie. So the other part of Julie is, is her husband, Ryan, who still uh, maintains a full-time job, but does help when he can, you know, as they head into year two, what are some of those key takeaways or maybe even some of those things that you would really encourage them to do, you know, as they grow their enterprise and as they serve seniors and care advocates? Sure. Well, they, as I mentioned, I think they're uh, on the right track right now. Um, and I have to go back to your comments, Julie, regarding, uh, the caregivers and 
oh gosh, we don't have enough caregivers and we have these two new 24-hour clients. One thing I will say, and this is part of me passing along the torch, if you will, that's the scenario of, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? We now have all these inquiries coming in and new clients that we're setting up. Oh, we don't have enough care. Where are we going to get the caregivers? And then there's the other side where, wow, we've got all these clients, we've got all these caregivers, they're trained, they're hired, they're trained, they're screened, they're ready to go, they're excited. We've just had three clients die. That scenario, and I'm sure you can relate to this, Julie, early on, is not going to change. Whether you're a brand new business or you're a very tenured business with 250 or 300 caregivers, the scenario is the same. It's all in how you manage it. And you always get through and you come out on the top. And that is a history that I have I can speak very um, frankly about. And it's something that I had to remind my team anytime that we would get into the situation, which was several times a month, where there were highs and lows and no caregivers and no clients, et cetera. A couple of things. You always want to keep the funnel full when it comes to your marketing and sales and the inquiries that are coming in. And as long as you're keeping the funnel full and you're continuing to keep the funnel full when it comes to hiring and training caregivers, it all works itself out. And you have to train your team to let them know it will work itself out. I mean, we got to a point where it was kind of a running joke that when this would happen, we would all laugh and and rally behind it and say, we got this. We know we can do it. We've been through it over. And we would even say my general manager at the time was with me for 14 years. So she had the history with me and we'd say, this has happened 14 years ago. It's happening today and it's going to continue to happen. So um, just err with caution. It's, it's all part of managing that high and low. The other really important thing that I, I know you've already started out to doing, Julie, I, I can tell with your relationships with your team, your caregivers and, and your clients is that you really do want to start early on with a strong culture. And, and that's creating a vision statement. Um, and it helps you guide your team. And that's something that was really important to us early on. And we've, you know, changed it over time and made some changes to it. But I think it's really important to have a roadmap with a vision statement that everybody can focus on. And what we did um, with our team is that we we worked on it together. It's not something that me as the owner put together. It's not something my management team put together. It's something we as a group, as a team, sat down um, over the course of several staff meetings that we had and we put our vision statement together. And, and I'm happy to share what our vision statement was, you know, over the last you know couple of years, if, if you'd like to hear it. And it's um, our vision statement was we strive for excellence in all we do as we actively engage with our community partners to provide the extraordinary in our care to clients, support for families and education for caregivers so that all may experience dignity and heartfelt care. Our mission is to make your family our own. Now, that's not something, again, we put that together as a team, and it really took a lot of time, but it, it we would reference back to it at least once a week during our staff meetings or reference a situation that had occurred, whether it be positive or negative, and go back to our vision statement. So between your culture and your 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 roadmap with the vision statement, I think is something else I, I would suggest passing along um, that, that helped us. Oh, that's great. Yeah, thank you. That is awesome. 
Teresa, thank you so much. I, um, it reminds me, so I've been on, you know, we do a lot of work on LinkedIn and a lot of connecting. There's an organization called the female lead that I've been following pretty closely. And they're, uh, an educational, they're defined as being an educational charity, uh, and it's funded by loyalty and data entrepreneur Edwina Dunn. They're out of the UK. But their uh, their primary mission says that their the female lead aims to make women's stories more visible and to provide positive role models for future generations by celebrating women's achievement, endeavor, and uh, diversity. And it says that uh, she knew she knew firsthand what it feels like to work in a male dominated industry and how women need strong female role models to inspire confidence and ambition. And I think Teresa, that's a lot of what you are doing with Julie and just the mentorship conversation today and passing the torch, it really does inspire uh, confidence and ambition. I know it does in me. And, um, you know, Julie, again, you know, we were very fortunate to have Julie um, as our core franchisee because she is able to deliver on cultural values first and foremost. Because if you don't have that right, you can't go anywhere because no one will want to work for you. And who wants to be serviced by that organization? And so, Julie, your story is one of success, survival. You're still standing at the end of starting a business during a pandemic. Uh, I'm just so proud to have you as one of our franchise owners. Thank you, Mark. Teresa, any other closing thoughts today? really appreciate your time. No, you're welcome. I, I'm just um, very excited that you asked me to be a part of the podcast and I'm thrilled for what Julie and Ryan have started as the first uh, Home Care Advocacy Network franchisee. I, I think there's great things in, her, in their futures. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. And as always, you can contact us on the World Wide Web at hcanthrive.com. You can find out more about Julie's business at hcanthrive.com forward slash Omaha. The Home Care Advocacy Network is a business format home care franchise for senior living providers and entrepreneur driven franchise for those who want to be their own boss and make a difference, just like we covered today. Our franchisees provide everything from companionship and respite care to personal care and dementia-related care uh, delivered wherever a senior may call home. And so thank you so much, both of you. We look forward to talking to you again in the future. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark. Till we meet again. Thank you.